Welcome back to Mishnah Yomi. Today we're moving right along in Mesech, the Shabbos, Perek, Gimel, Mishnah Vav, concluding the third Perek and moving on to chapter 4, Mishnah Aleph. And we are not going to be discussing the laws of igniting and extinguishing fires, but rather the particular halachos in this Mishnah are uh, regarding the lamp itself. Is it muksa and how to relate to moving that lamp? One is not allowed to put some sort of plate, let's say, underneath the lamp in order to catch the oil that may leak out of the lamp. What's the problem here? Well, very simply, we are familiar perhaps with the concept of muksa. Muksa means things that were designated before Shabbos or things on Shabbos that are designated for non-Shabbos use. And there are various forms of muksa that are way beyond what we can discuss here, but suffices it to say, if you have something that does not have use, usage on Shabbos, or if you have something that was designated before Shabbos for a non-Shabbos use, or for a use that was prohibited on Shabbos. So in our case, you have a, you have a candle, and all the accoutrements to the candle, such as the wick and the oil and the lamp itself, which are all designated limitsvaso, designated for the mitzvah of the lighting the candles for Shabbos, the mitzvah of Ner Shabbos. Therefore, all these things now are muksa and cannot be handled once Shabbos commences. That being the case, therefore, the the plate that's now going to catch the oil, and the oil we know is muksa, is now going to become muksa itself. Why is that? Because now the plate has this muksa oil on it, and you're not allowed to move the plate anymore either. And this brings us to a further halacha, a lot of new halachas today, called bito kli mechano, which means when you cancel out a kli, a utensil's usefulness. That if I have a utensil that was designated, let's say, to be a salad bowl, and that's what it's supposed to be, and therefore I'm allowed to move it wherever I want on Shabbos, because it's a salad bowl, and then I orchestrate a situation in this scenario where I place it beneath a lamp, and now the oil from the lamp drips into the salad bowl, well, now the, the that makes the salad bowl muksa. And not only muksa, because it has the, the oil, again, the oil, which one's not allowed to handle because it's oil that was designated specifically and only for the usages of lighting a candle. But now I was mevatla kli mehechano. I was, I nullified, I canceled out the whole purpose on, of this uh, salad bowl, and that is rabbinic, a rabbinic prohibition. And what's the prohibition? So it's actually very interesting. Says the Rav here, based off the Meiri, it's actually a prohibition based off bone building. What does that mean? Why is it? Why does it come, stem from building? Again, it's rabbinic, but why? Why does it replicate building? So the Meiri says because essentially I have taken a, a salad bowl which I'm allowed to move every anywhere and everywhere, and now by allowing these oil, this oil to drip onto it, I have quote-unquote cemented this plate, this salad bowl, into place. I'm not allowed to move it anymore. Analogous to building, cementing it in place because halachically I'm not allowed to move it, and therefore the rabbis prohibited doing what's called mivata kli mehechano, orchestrating a situation which is going to cause a kli, in our scenario the salad bowl, to become unable to be moved because it's going to catch all the muksa oil. However, one is allowed to place the salad bowl, whatever whatever kli, the vessel it is, while still Shab while still Erev Shabbos, on Erev Shabbos, next to the candle in order to catch the remaining oil that's dripping down. But this that uh, you're allowed to prepare 
Erev Shabbos and place a kli, a vessel, beneath your candle to catch the oil that drips out, that's allowed, but you're not allowed to use the oil once it drips out on Shabbos. Again, because as we noted, the basic laws of muks are, muks means designated. So things can either be designated for Shabbos usage or designated for non-Shabbos usage or designated for specific mitzvahs, which means on Shabbos I can't use it other than for that mitzvah. In our scenario, the oil was designated the mitzvah for the mitzvah of Ner Shabbos. And therefore, once it drips out, it's still muksa because it was designated when Shabbos began for the Ner Shabbos, and I can't therefore touch it, and therefore I can't touch the kli, the receptacle that holds this oil. Now, what about an an unlit lamp? What if you have a lamp that's not lit? Are you allowed to move that? Says our Mishnah, A lamp that's never been used, one is, one is allowed to use, but one's not allowed to use an old lamp. What's the distinction between a lamp that has been used and has not been used? Well, very simply. Let's start with the latter case. A lamp that has been used gets very grimy. Think of your Hanukkah candles, your menorah, on day 7 or 8. It's oily, it's grimy, it's gross, and therefore it's muksa. In this scenario, it's called muksa machmas mius. It's muksa, it's designated on, on, on the account that it's disgusting, it's gross. You don't want to handle it on Shabbos because it's disgusting, and therefore it's designated as muksa. However, a new candle, one that has never been used, a new lamp, excuse me, that has never been used, although its actual usage may be for a candle, but you can use it for anything else. You can use it to hold, I don't know, your ricin. You can use it for any other um, mutter, per- permitted usage on Shabbos. So, so long as you're not actually lighting it, you're allowed to move it for something permitted. Which, by the way, introduces us to another concept of muksa, and that's called a kli shemalachtal iser. That sometimes we can have a vessel or a utensil which can be used either for something permitted or prohibited. Let's take the classic example of a hammer. A hammer, technically, when it first comes to mind when you think of a hammer, is a, knocking a nail in the wall, which is what we call bona, which is an iser, could be, even be an iser de araisa, definitely prohibited. And therefore, one would think, therefore, a hammer is muksa on the count that is designated for n- prohibited usage on Shabbos. However, at the same time, one can use a hammer in the kitchen to crack open a nut or to break open a coconut. Therefore, because it can be used either way, and intrinsically, in and of itself, a hammer is just a piece of metal, so what we say, it's called a klisha malachtal iser, meaning it's not actually muksa, but rather we say, depending on what you're using it for, that will depend on if you're allowed to move it. If you're using it, if it's being moved for a permitted use, then it's allowed to be moved. So the candle here as well, since it's being used for permitted use, as in this new candle, which is not repulsive, it's new, it's shiny, right out of the package, you want to use it to store something in, so then one's allowed to move it. Rabbi Shimon comes along and actually disagrees. Rabbi Shimon does not believe in the category of muksa machmas mias, that things can be muksa on the count that they're repulsive. And he says, All lamps may be moved except for a lamp that at some point over Shabbos had been burning. Why not? Because the fire itself is prohibited to move. That we know. The fire is definitely muksa, and there's a new concept, again, another concept here called buses. What's a buses? That not only is the object itself muksa, not only is an object which was one, one is not allowed to use on Shabbos in and of itself muksa, but also anything that is holding it up is muksa as well. It's called a buses, a, a support. So the table that holds the printer or the computer is called is called a buses, and that too has the same properties of muksa as the computer itself. In our scenario, a candle, the candle, the fire is muksa, and by extension, therefore, the thing that's holding the candle up, the lamp, is muksa as well. That's what Rabbi Shimon's adding. Lastly, when we place a utensil under a lit lamp in order to catch sparks that are falling, that's because one wants to prevent a fire. 
if the, uh, if the candle's sparkling, you don't want the spark to land on exposed wood, so you place, put some sort of earthenware utensil in order to prevent the fire from happening. However, but one's not allowed to place water in this utensil because then you're extinguishing the sparks when they land, and actually that is extended to one can't even place water on Erev Shabbos because it looks like when Shabbos began that you put the water there when Shabbos already started. So there's a lot in this Mishnah. Let's do a quick review before we move on. We discussed the concept of muksa. Muksa, which literally means set, set aside, it means anything that cannot be moved on Shabbos on account of the fact that by nature of whatever the item is, it's not designated for Shabbos usage or it's designated specifically for a mitzvah usage and therefore, such as our oil and our candle, it's specifically designated for lighting the Shabbos candle. Therefore, Then we moved on to discuss how, how and when it's permitted to put a utensil under a lamp. We said one's not allowed to put a utensil under a lamp on Shabbos because not only are you not allowed to move muksa, but you're also not allowed to create a situation where you mevata klimehechano, where you cause a something that was not muksa to become muksa. And the Meiri pointed out a fascinating reason for that because perhaps it's as if you're cementing it in place because now you're not allowed to move it. And then we discussed the concept of muksa machmas mius, that something can be muksa not on the count that they don't have a usage in Shabbat, but because they're gross, like a candle that's all grimy. We discussed that klisha malachatul iser, that you can have a klia, a utensil that sometimes can be used for permitted purposes and sometimes for prohibited purposes, and depending on why you're using it, then you're allowed to move it or not. And then lastly, we had this last little gazera that one's allowed to put a... Uh, a uh, plate beneath a, a lamp in order to prevent a fire, but you can't put water inside because then you're tzmachaba, you're extinguishing the sparks. Okay, Mishnah, Parag Dalit, Mishnah Aleph, this will go quickly because we actually saw all these principles already. And that is, as we discussed, there's a concept called Hatmana. Hatmana means one is not allowed to insulate on Shabbos with things that increase heat. So now this Mishnah is going to go through just different ty- different materials and say which ones increase heat and which ones don't. But Matt told me with what may one surround a food on Shabbos, how with what may one insulate on Shabbos, with what may one not insulate on Shabbos. One not allowed to use olives or sesame pulp or nor manure, nor salt, lime, or sand. Whether these things are moist or dry, all these are going to add heat, whether they are wet or dry. One can't use straw or grape skins, nor pieces of soft, unprocessed material or grass. When that's only bizman shein lachem, when they're dry, when they're wet. Where you can use the soft, unprocessed material and the grape skins and the straw when they're dry, uh, because then they, it serves to insulate but not increase the heat. One may surround uh, food, one insulate food with clothing or with produce. With pigeon feathers or sawdust or with fine flax, flax clomings. Why can all these things do not eat at heat? Yehuda Oser Bedaka, Umat Regasa. Yehuda forbade surrounding a. Um, a pot, insulating a pot with fine flax combings because he said those do produce heat, but permits, permits using coarse combings because, of course, once he's of sawdust, he says, do not increase heat. I wish you all a wonderful day.